I am not a werewolf, but I am your host and your moderator, Scott O'Dell. I'm joined by host, Corey Jorgensen. Hi, Scott. I am the seer. I am playing werewolf, and I know all of the werewolves, and I will hold that information until the end <laughs> of the game. You're allowed to tell the table that information, Cody. I'm allowed to decide who, who werewolves are, right? Yes. Okay. You are all not werewolves. I win. We're joined by our returning guest host, Peter Evans. I, I'm the hunter. If you kill me, you're going down with me. <laughs> And host Jeff Garst. That's weird because my card says Seer too. Are there two Seers in this game? Or mm. wait a sec. Mm. You know, I once played a game of Werewolf at Dice Tower Con. First mistake. Second mistake was <laughs> there was a character in the game called Mr. Boom. They play this in the, uh, in the southeastern part of the United States. A character called Mr. Boom. Where if one person dies. B-O-O-M. B-O-O-M. Okay. And if uh, Mr. Boom dies, both people on either side of him die. And I was in a game with three hunters and a Mr. Boom because it was such a big game that they wanted it to go quickly. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Or no, it was two hunters, a Cupid, and Mr. Boom. And so a lover died. Their lover was a hunter who killed a hunter who killed Mr. Boom. And we took out like six people in one fell swoop. That's that was awesome. Amazing. That's awesome. Hey, whatever kills you faster. <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're playing werewolves. We, so Cody and I were alluding to the fact that we just game guided on Sunday for a big group. And we had 40, 40 people, and we split them into a group of 15 and a group of 25 for Werewolf. And the group that I moderated of 25 was not good. <laughs> I got 25 to, is too big for I not podcast I, listeners. I, I watched it. It was, it, from my perspective, it was very enjoyable. There were, there were a lot of factors going against Scott. Now, first of all, I think, they, I think it served its purpose. I think they had a good time. And I don't think I think you're we're evaluating it from our perspective of how good it could have been. Right. And they're evaluating from the perspective of how it was because they don't have any yeah. context for it. So That's I think true. they enjoyed themselves. And I think it, it, it was fine for the event. Uh, however, I think it also validated my opinions that Werewolf is a stupid game. Well, I think 25 is too many for a first game of Werewolf. 25 is too many, especially after the food has been there for a while, but they haven't eaten it. And then they had like a Team Raw, raw thing. And so yeah. everyone just wants to eat. Right. Oh, yeah. And as people died, they got to eat. So, um, oh, so yes. people were trying Kill to kill me. Yeah. Yes. Oh, one of the werewolves literally said, I'm a werewolf. Didn't die that time. So he said it again. No, that was and the first was. night. And yeah. he said, I'm a werewolf. You all know I'm a werewolf. And then he just like leaned back in his chair. And it didn't kill him. And then like seven nights later, when he got back on the chopping block, he was like. To be fair, I would be really suspicious that that guy was the tanner. But I doubt you were playing with a tanner. No, we weren't. This All we had was a seer and a spellcaster. Yeah. I should have put Cupid so, in there. So for those of you who have never played werewolf and, you, and, What's so, wrong with and, you? and you're, you're wondering what we're talking about, just know that it, you're better. Like, you're fine. You don't need to know. But CJ moderated at the same time as me a group of 15. And as, as we walked in there, bear in mind that my group was 25 and our game ended earlier. Everyone was screaming and yelling because the game had just ended and they all had a really good time. That's fun. You know, mm. the other thing but I was going to say... But they were eating while playing. They the other, ate... That's the way yes. to go. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? I don't know. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is how much I love our theme song because the end of our theme song reminds me of one of my favorite games, personally. Liar's Dice? No. Rattle Battle Grab the Loot. And I think Peter had something to say about that game. Oh, no. I just uh, had tweeted earlier that... Uh, it was down to $8 and kind of confirming your uh, review of it. I feel like... I feel yeah. like... I'd, t I'd take 50% off at that point. I'd, I'd buy it at four bucks. 
feel like that's that's <laughs> Why? a good price. You would just have to drag it somewhere to get rid of later. I'd love to love to have some chunky dice to play with. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we, we, Scott talked me out of the Godfather for fourteen dollars. <laughs> I found it for fourteen bucks. How did you find the Godfather for fourteen bucks? Like TJ, TJ Maxx Max. was getting rid of it post Christmas sale. Like they had like you know super dude. And why did you not go with it? Uh, I talked him out of it because that literal defense of like you're just gonna have to get rid of it later, which was true. Did you I, not enjoy the Godfather? I thought that it was, was okay, game. but I, I wasn't inspired to play it again. Oh, okay. Spielcast played that game. <coughs> yeah, I remember. I was there. I know. That's I am. It. I am a, part of the Spielcast. Right. I didn't say it's Spielcast approved. We did play it. And, Spielcast and, played. Those are. And my stupid. recommendation was <laughs> that it was it was a good game. It just wasn't a seventy dollar game. Oh yeah. And I st- I stand behind that. I do think it's a good game, but at the same time, I don't. I got enough games on my shelf. Right, it's a game I'll play at Spielbound because Spielbound has it. Yeah, and uh, and the theme doesn't really do anything for exactly. me. Exactly. So if right. I liked the theme, either Gangsters or specifically Godfather, I would have jumped on it. But because I don't care about right. the theme, see, I, I enjoy The Godfather a lot. It's probably one of my favorite movies, and the game is about mobsters, but nothing mm-hmm. at all feels like the movies or anything like that. So yeah. it's it's a good area control game for fourteen dollars. Great deal. Yeah. But 70? No. Isn't there... Is Mintworks... Is that an area control game? No. Mintworks is... Isn't there uh, a $10 area control game? Yes. Seven minute... Eight something. minute empire, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which I think Bryce just did on his most recent Out it's, of the Dust podcast. Uh, yes. that's, a, that's a better game than Godfather, right. in my opinion. Now, speaking of the Godfather, this weekend, uh, the greatest movie of all time Jeff. won more Oscars than the Godfather, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh really? So, <laughs> I actually hated Bohemian Rhapsody. But. Capitalism at work, right? So it now has more, more Oscars than The Godfather. So news. killing artistic expression at work. Wasn't the big thing about that movie is they wanted to make it rated R, make it like much more realistic and gritty, and then they're like, no, 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 we got to pull it back and PG thirteen it. And no, they were there was a whole bunch of stuff about right. that movie that was bad. That won Best Picture? No, it didn't win Best Picture, oh. but won. Both the sound awards, the editing award, and then Rami Malek won for best actor, which I will defend that particular choice was good, but the other three they didn't deserve. Uh, what so won this picture? Board game news. <laughs> uh, I'm going to spin this conversation into news. I like to think of this uh, as more of yes. like a culture yeah. podcast. News Fjord? Uh, so, uh, always. News Fjord. We, we'll, we spell news, news N-U-J-S news. now. The news. It's not how you spell news Fjord, but okay. N-J-U-S. N-U-S-F-J. News. News. Do we have some news? Yes, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> so the and, and actually we don't. The end, and that ends the news All segment. Right. Uh, so the first, fun. the first bit of news is that uh, I last episode I said I would uh, put all the questions on our board game geek guild, and I didn't. I thought I did. I opened it. I wrote all of the text into the box, and I thought I hit enter. Uh, but I was very surprised to notice that it did not exist uh, earlier this week when I checked on it. Uh, so that will be up shortly. I will put it up there um, as we move forward. So that's the first thing. Uh, in addition to that, we have had a couple people. What's e- the guild number? 3332. Should have waited five minutes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So the uh, a couple of people have emailed us the questions. If you just want to listen along the podcast and email us from the last episode, that's fine too. I'll accept those submissions uh, for the grand prize of nothing, uh, except you get to participate. Uh, so that's the first yeah, bit of participation news. Participation trophies, you millennials. Yes, millennial. Millennial, apparently. Label me. Uh, so 
Uh, Midtown, unlock Midtown. Scott, Ooh, you want to talk about this that? This is fun. Sure. On March weekend in March, the, the <laughs> 3rd, right? Yeah, the 20th, the 22nd, something like that. Yes, around then. So the third weekend in March. We've yes. collaborated with Midtown to do Unlock Midtown, and what that means is you can go to participating businesses and do a little escape puzzle where you try to figure out a clue, and then at and each of the individual businesses, you get some sort of discount or some sort of thing for figuring out And they're going to lock you in the store until you get out, right? No. Oh. And then if you do all of the clues at all the businesses, you can enter in to win the grand prize, and the grand prize is going to be super big, including a year membership to Spielbound. Ooh, and like that's already worth like two hundred dollars. Yeah. So, um, so Jeff and Peter helped a lot with the puzzles. Yeah, I was just about to say. I think so we. You guys are not eligible to win. Oh, that shoot. was my first question. I uh, know. I think we developed some really great puzzles, and I'm excited to see how people tackle them because I think one of the things about building puzzles is, unless you do it a lot, it's really hard to tell how people are going to tackle them. So. Yep, I, I have some experience th doing that uh, for my work where I I thought I made it just hard enough <laughs> that it would take an hour and a half. And after oh, a half hour, I realized that, that it was nowhere close. I'd made it way too hard. So these ones, I feel we've made it a much more doable level. I think somebody sitting in the place can probably get it in five to ten minutes, if not less. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's one in particular. I'm really interested to see how long it takes people. Um and I'll, that's all I'll say right now. But it'll be fun. So please do that. So where can people pick up or find more information about that, Scott? So they can go to Midtown's Facebook page. I'm bad at marketing. I'm looking at I don't know. I, I've, okay. I have no idea. So look, on the weekend of Unlock Midtown Crossing, they can you go can to go any of the participating businesses, including ours. Which I believe is 11 total businesses. Yes. yes. So if you come into ours, you can pick up a sheet, and then that'll tell you which other businesses to go to. But I would imagine those sheets exist at all the locations. They yes, will. they will. Yeah. So if you just, we so for just sure show will up have here that weekend. And, and since you're going to be there. walking around outside, you might want to get yourself a nice coffee to go or hot chocolate. Exactly. Yeah. It and makes a good starting point because then when you're finished, you have a beer and you sit down yeah, and play some exactly. games. Now the, and the other interesting thing is if you don't want to do all the puzzles, if you don't want to walk around all of Midtown and you just happen to be in one of the 11 businesses right. that is doing it, you can do that business's puzzle and win a small prize that everyone gets just for completing that puzzle correctly. So if you're a big fan of one business in particular, you don't have to do all of them. You can still have fun with your favorite business True and get a, small get a small prize. So that is Unlock Midtown. Uh, Third weekend of March. Third weekend in March. Uh, in addition, uh, Caleb's asked me to talk about something. I don't know. I don't know what he wants me to say about it. But he asked us to talk about Stay Sharp. Yeah. So Stay Sharp's doing some events, and they're doing lots of good stuff. And you can find out more at Spielbound.org. What's Stay Sharp? Stay Sharp is uh, our outreach, formerly to, uh, formerly called Stay Sharp Seniors. Now we just call it Stay Sharp. But uh, it's basically just events to keep the mind agile and to promote board games as a way to combat aging. Sweet. All right. Well, maybe I we should have Caleb on and he can. Yeah. We should have Caleb on. There was on. a large event at YMCA over last weekend. And yes. They brought out about 100 games. And yeah, was it was impressive. Like the, from the pictures, there was quite a bit of participation. Yeah. Even with the weather not being great. That's fantastic. So, Kickstarter news. 
That's not a segment. I, I'm we just do. kidding. That's, that's a, that's a, a, it's a terrible void. If you see a game on Kickstarter, instead of doing that, you should just contact us and pre-order it, and then we'll get it for you, and then you can buy it from us. What is that? How it works? I hate some of the things <laughs> on Kickstarter right now. I just really hate them. <laughs> that's no longer on Kickstarter. Oh, no, that's delivering right now. We were joking because of our our favorite Kickstarter video for the game Hate. It's a you know, not oh, is that what you were work. listening to? I'm going to issue a Kickstarter challenge. If anyone can find a board game trailer, and it doesn't even have to be on Kickstarter, anywhere, any board game trailer that isn't terrible, put it on the guild. I don't even know what I'll do. But I'll give you a participation trophy. I'll give you a participation trophy. Uh, I, I am of the opinion that every <laughs> board game trailer ever made is absolutely garbage. Uh so, so Jeff, remember when we were testing levels earlier? And, and I just got gonna, really excited. You get excited? Yeah, it happened. You got mad. You <laughs> I got did mad. get mad. Because why, why, why is that a thing that's made? It's not, A, not necessary. B, they're all bad. It clearly works. It clearly works. Yeah, the little video at the beginning no, of Kickstarter. I've, that's, no. I never watch a trailer before I back a Kickstarter. Are you asking why, like, the voiceover ones exist? Or are you asking why, why the any videos? of them exist? Like a people it's, playing them on Kickstarter. You need that's to... different. Okay. That almost okay. never happens. It's always like computer generated images of what the game will look like. And like, you can defeat the person. That's no. that's an interesting question. So I haven't backed any Kickstarter games other than like two or three. I've backed do a they, couple. Do they not have like gameplay <laughs> videos? No, like, you don't know what well, you're buying. Those you, when you yeah. scroll down, and all, the, some of the companies have like have already given a copy to Rado, and so then you can watch Rado play it, and okay. and, and okay. like okay. like Man versus Meeple will have done it. Like okay, that that's different. I'm talking about like a trailer, like for I a don't, movie, but yeah. for a board game. People yeah, blind buy board games if there's no like playthrough of the game, like that. No, that I've, would seem impossible. I've seen several that I, I think are are decent. Actually, the very first one I ever saw was for Forbidden Island, and that one was pretty neat. But uh, Ooh. that was before Little Matt Leacock were hitting Kickstarter. I I think what they should do is they should lean into the last time that board games were like prominently featured in actual commercials and the the modern board game community should just collectively agree to do 80s style television oh, commercials. Yes, they would love for that. All of their for, for all of them. Like that's like the mou- old mouse trap commercial was amazing. Yeah, I, like it, like with like VCR overuse lines like yes. going through I love it. Yeah, the, that's the what they should look like. Aren't much different. Coming from <laughs> no, someone who has kids, the 80s and has seen, ones are better. No, they're not. I mean, they still advertise. Like, there's a new version of Monopoly. They advertise. Oh, you mean the new ones that are made like for yes. the current commercials? They feel like, you know, the production value is a little better, but like it's still like cheesy. Like, I was scared of fruit gushers for like six <laughs> years as a kid because on the commercial, people ate fruit gushers and then they turned into a fruit gusher. Yeah, man gotta watch out and when you're four <laughs> that's very scary <laughs> yeah well you shouldn't have been eating that much sugar at four anyway so yeah you shouldn't drink kool-aid either some guy will bust through your house and oh yeah i love right that. that's what we're going for yeah. <laughs> yes that's okay where we're going. good all right let's talk about what we've been playing who wants to go first i'll start jeff wants to go first because <laughs> it's not gonna be long uh so the first thing i've been playing first i uh i finished aeon's end legacy which Ooh, I talked you, a little you, bit about. You said you would talk about it when you were done. Report oh, back. Oh, did I? I couldn't report, remember how much report I Report back. Was it as so, bad as you were expecting? If you like Aeon's End, I feel confident in saying you will enjoy Aeon's End Legacy. Because it's pretty much Aeon's End. Just seven times. A little fresh. Is there like a little, oh, that's exciting, new so, twists? 
I haven't played all of the base game of Aeon's End. There's different cards. There's different monsters. But essentially, at the end of each game, you get to you get the chance to swap out cards. Mm-hmm. So that could be seen as fresh if that's something you really care about. If you think that like changing up the market in a deck building game is important is like an important fresh mechanic. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't change the game in the way that other legacy games have changed the game. Like it does. It, there's no substantial oh my god moment like you have in a pandemic legacy. So is it more like a campaign than a legacy? Yeah, it's a campaign with some legacy elements. There's some cool things that happen. There's sometimes where you're like, okay, like I'm about this. This will help me out. But I, I never had that oh my god moment like I had when I played Pandemic or um, what's the other legacy game we played? Like even Seafall had a couple of moments where you're like, oh, that's really cool, and then it didn't end up panning out. Like Aeon's End didn't even have the oh, that's really cool moments. It was a better game than Seafall, but that's because Aeon's, Aeon's End is a good game. And so if you like Aeon's End, you'll enjoy playing Aeon's End Legacy. But not much more than you would just enjoy playing Aeon's End. Just more unlockable pieces, but right. nothing really surprising. Right, right. I just wonder if there's a like a razor's edge with uh, legacy games where where it just feels like they haven't done enough to it, and so it's boring. But then there's just this very thin line when once you cross it, then it's just they change it so much that they can't control the game anymore. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like even pan like uh, in by that definition pandemic legacy crossed that edge like pandemic legacy messed up the game of pandemic in a way that was but they still made it fun but they still made so it they fun. managed to control it maybe they landed right on that razor's edge of changed it enough and oh, still held I, okay, on I, I see what you're saying now I, I but like you know really. like i mean it's kind of the same thing with expansions right yeah, yeah like, a little bit isla sky is elegant and beautiful and then like when you try to like, add stuff to it, like you could argue that expansions are just really long form legacy games, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you just pay for each new chapter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing with some of the legacy games coming out now is they're not necessarily things that you destroy, but it's more about the reveal. So, uh, Rise of Fenris, for instance, uh, there's nothing in there that you are. But that's a campaign, right? Versus a legacy. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, they they kind of tease it as legacy, but yeah, it feels more like campaign. It, it's just the fact that there's sealed boxes and things, whereas campaign right. before there was no surprises. So that that's that part's kind of been borrowed from legacy and being put into some of these games that maybe yeah should be still thrown in the campaign side rather than legacy. Yeah, this is making me think about a side topic I have in my head. Well, please don't share it. All right, Jeff. Uh, the other game that I've been playing is one that Cody recommended last time, uh, which was Trap Words. And I have two mm, things to say yeah, about boy. Trap Words. First, I, mm. I bought it sight unseen after Cody's description. Do I owe um, you 20 bucks? Well, I bought it from you. so I bought it He's from at, your well, store. That's what I'm saying. Is it bad you, enough? Do you want to return it? Oh, no. Oh, okay. I think the, like? the first thing I want to say <laughs> is the the whole concept in that sort of like, ooh, that's cool that you get when you hear someone describe the game, which I, if you didn't hear last time, Basically, it's taboo, except the other team gets to decide the words that you can't say, and you don't know the words that you can't say. So the entire time you're thinking in your head, how could I, like, what do I need to say around the words in order to get it right? That explanation is brilliant. It is. It's like and the it, best elevator pitch I've ever heard. And it holds up. And, I've, and my second thing is I have one recommendation for the game, which is get rid of all the, like, you're moving through rooms to defeat a monster you, and, have, yeah. and have 
the base game, which is the uh, what I just ex- described. You're, wait, you're moving the room? So what? Yeah, like when if your team wins the round and you get the word right, you move up a room, and then eventually you get to the bad and, monster. And boss. each time you move up a room, the other team gets to make a bigger list. So right. the further along you are on the track, the bigger the other team's list that oh, you can't say. This right. game suddenly no longer as elegant as I thought. Right, it, and so yeah. yes, you just, I yeah. get rid of that. Make it five rounds. Round one, you get two words. Round three, round two, you get Simple. four That's words. That's probably the way And to go. keep some of those power-up cards that you can use three times in the game. You get three power-up mm. cards at the beginning of the game your team can use. Th- that would make the game so much easier. The whole have a monster at the end and all that. Um, but that's a game we could actually play on the podcast, and it would even be fun to listen to. Yeah, so that sounds awesome. I agree. Yeah, so I'm glad you liked it because I, I, I really enjoy the game. So trap words. Yes. Buy it. And then have play you been playing an operation game? What's oh, the, yeah, yeah, lobotomy, you, you right? Guys, lobotomy. Yeah, and I've only played it once, so I won't. I, I don't feel like I can really accurately describe it, but it's called lobotomy. It's uh, your looks really boring. Patience in a ment- well, you wouldn't like it. It's played just like Operation, but all in the head. Scott, yeah, you've been playing like thirty different Uwe Rosenberg games. <laughs> you do not get to talk about what looks boring. I didn't say he it was at boring. least had a theme. I said it looks boring. That so was just little minis. Your patients in a mental hospital. You have a different scenario. I mean, it's the same. I'm as, sorry. Your patients in a mental hospital. Yeah. Does someone play as like Nurse Ratchet? Uh, there is an AI for the Nurse oh. Ratchet. Is character. it like a horror mental hospital? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you're, you know, the the other patients are attacking you, and then my the wife would not approve. Is attacking you, and it's it's probably super reductionistic of actual mental yeah, health issues. Yeah, you're <laughs> perpetuating really, no. uh, You know, whatever. Uh, that that's that's gonna happen. Was um, it fun? We were still getting a hold of the rules. Like I said, we've only played it once. Was there the, any spark? The, the rule book is terribly written. Um, it's up there for worst rule book I've ever read, and I didn't even read it. Maybe it's um, like flowers. Maybe it's like Gingopolis. flowers for Algernon, where it starts out. It starts out where you're you you. It's really poorly written, but then as you get better and better, toward the end of the rule book, the grammar is better and everything because you mm. the mental hospital no. was made. Warren was reading parts of it out loud, and I was <laughs> like, "That makes badly. no sense." So <laughs> uh, terribly badly, written, yes. like there Lobotomy. were the, the glossary. Nobody knows how to win. The glossary of terms at the back of the rule book was first of all not alphabetized and second of all Ooh. was missing words <laughs> was not alphabetized yeah <laughs> like the faq was this a kickstarter game really i yeah. mean <laughs> it was a kickstarter game originally but this is like the second printing that he had um but like then the faq on board game geek was like oh we forgot to describe the term it, like what you know and <laughs> so there were some issues. I think it's probably fun, but we were we there was such a barrier to entry that we were having trouble with that. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. Like alphabetize the glossary. That's the one that like <laughs> threw me for a loop. Like what are you that's doing? It feels like sometimes we nitpick on components and rule books, but that's pretty unforgivable. I mean, like, like if you don't if you if Miriam Webster released a dictionary next year that wasn't alphabetized. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a scavenger. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's great. You have to just go to their website and find out what page each word is on. <laughs> right. Oh, Aardvark is on 563. Oh, got it. So I uh, played a game. They're with... not in numerical order, though. <laughs> <laughs> I played a game with Cody that I know Peter's played called Cryptid. Oh, yeah. Have you this one, Jeff? I have not. Oh, my gosh. You should play it. It's awesome. That So... Thoughts, Cody. So, but before I talk about cryptid specifically, mentally, I've been starting to really categorize games. Um, the game that I really most like to play 
is is a rules medium strategy heavy uh try and like test wits with the people at the table dry game like that's the type of game i like to play um your euros like i like that type of game that fits a particular niche <laughs> short of like yes absolutely uh it fits a particular niche of what i think a board game night is which is getting together having jokes right. but ultimately it's there's a strategy and there's a, a battle of wits right so that's one type <laughs> of game that i really enjoy and even if you lose a battle of wits you've probably created something beautiful uh so that's a type of game there are big social party games that just sort of get everybody involved and people just it's 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 a conduit for just large group fun extroverted fun right it's like there's that type of game uh and then this there's this other game that i've I, I find myself attracted to, and that is when they do something so unique and strange that it, it, it like feels beautiful that they even created the game, right? Like, I don't know that I had fun playing it, but I appreciated the game so much like that I would- Like photosynthesis? I would absolutely play it again. Yes, that's a good, ex a good example. Yes, except I never played 504 because I heard the gameplay was bad enough. Like, that I, didn't I don't play. enjoy abstract games, but photosynthesis was like, wow. I'm just happy you made this. Yeah, and you just see a little mechanic, a little hook thing that makes people go, oh, oh, okay, I get it. And and this game, so Cryptid <laughs> is... <laughs> that was a really long way to I say know. this is... So this game, this game does something very unique, something I've never seen before, and it makes me absolutely respect the people that made it so cryptid first of all a, does everybody know what a cryptid is yes it's i a, don't but maybe not every listener let's go for it scott it's a mytho mythological creature any mythological creature it's, theoretically yes, it's one that does not have well there's some argument about that there's mythological creatures but then there's mythological creatures that people have said they've seen so when I think a cryptid is specifically like the Mothman or like the, the Loch Ness monster. Loch Ness. Like people have to have claimed to have seen it. Okay. So when I was explaining, we're going to try to find the Unidragon, uh, there was a pedantic patron at the table who was like, well, I don't think the Unidragon is a cryptid. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I saw one. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a cryptid. So, uh, so cryptid, in, in cryptid, there's this huge board of hexes and you are attempting to find the one hex so on each on each scenario there's just a deck of probably like 60 cards and in, on each one of those there's, yeah, there's 100 hexes there's there's one hex that is the place that everybody's trying to find that mothman is hiding and depending on your player color you've got a book with uh, i don't know how many different types of clues there 100 are. there's 100 different types of clues for example uh a type of clue might be the cryptid is in one of uh, either swamp or lake. It's in one of two specific resource areas. Or it could be adjacent to a particular thing that's on the board. Or it could be within right. two spaces of a different thing. Like So there's a hundred different categories of clue. Each person at the table gets one clue. And, and the clues at the table, we played with three, but you can play up to six. All the clues for that given scenario boil down the pre-generated board to one space and your job is to ask people on your turn you say okay on this hex scott based on your clue could it be there or can it not be there and scott has to put a token down to show and so you're trying to figure out everybody else's clues and once oh, you've deduced really everybody else's clues then you can figure out where it is on the board and it's i think jeff out of all of us would like the game the most yeah i love yeah. logical deduction games. Like, it, it's just a straight up deduction game and i don't like deduction games yeah, it, a lot i don't really like them but this game 
When you're playing this game, it's the most elegant game I've ever played. Yeah, like it's it, just it, re- it replaced elegant. Tobago as my favorite deduction game. I felt like a beautiful mind for a little bit because I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> And I was I was I was going through the list because you have a list of all the potential questions for everybody, on the back and, of your the, book, uh, yeah. and you can see all the different resource types. And you know, it's a nice resource, so you can start to rule out, you know, just based on what you know. Oh, it can't be any of these ten because based on my rule alone, it can't be those. So it can't be theirs. And so you're doing that, and so I'm doing this like really analytical thing, and I look at the board, and I just like from a wide perspective, I can see that all of Scott's confirmation yes discs are within like one particular item and all of his nose are further out from that item. And I was like, Oh, I know what Scott's clue is. And of course all the evidence was there that I could have figured out like very logically, but I just looked at the board and then was like, Oh, Scott has to be within three spaces of that Dustin piece. Hoffman well, and the really fun part <laughs> is once you know what all those rules are, uh, trying to place your things somewhere where you can mislead. Yeah. So. Yes. The bluffing is the part I like because uh, when you're selecting a hex to ask, you know, Jeff or Peter or Cody, like, could this possibly be, according to your rule, can the space be here? Logically thinking, I would ask a space that I know it could be, right? Because why would I want to know something that I know mm-hmm. it can't be? But but that's giving them people clues to what I'm asking. So then I bluff and try to do it somewhere else. And then anytime someone says no, the the cryptid can't be on that hex so anytime you make someone put out a no answer you then have to also put out a no answer somewhere on the board so you have to give them information Mm. and that's where you can kind of set them up and make them think you have one thing even though it's really something else right but then eventually somebody will get smart and force you to go somewhere where you'll have to declare it sounds like a game that i'd really enjoy but be really terrible at oh i'm really good yeah scott is good at it. i'm suddenly good i've played it like six (laughs) times i won five times uh yeah it it's it's weird, Jeff. The first 10 minutes of the game, I was like, here's a random question to a random person because I don't know what's happening. But right. about 10 minutes in, the gear started turning on, and I had a lot of fun. So, Jeff, to your point, like theoretically, because you can see every clue that it could or could not be on the back, mm. like you can just like go through and keep checking over and be like, could it could it be this base? You know, but for every player. Because once you know what every player's clue is then you figure out what hex it is right so you also have to be careful to play it with the right people because if you get caught with the wrong person you could be there for six hours well and there are rules for if mistakes well, are if made and things like that too. yeah no just so. just somebody APing because they want to yeah. they want to figure out as much as they can i mean right I, you have to just play a couple turns just to get some information right. on the board going um and it, it is this really weird dynamic because it's it's it plays three to five and at three your clue is uh, pretty broad because you have to get rid of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And at five, your clue is much more restricted. And so I played, we played at three and five on Sunday. And at five, like, it's, you know, it's, you got to figure out four people's clues. And like, I can't even imagine the amount of design that had to go into it. Yeah, it like had to have been a computer gorgeous. program. Yeah. So that's the one oh, negative. That's, that's the one negative I'll say is when it feels really elegant to play cryptid, but setting it up is a little nerve wracking because you have to set it up perfectly because mm-hmm. the card tells you based on the number of players, that's the clue they're going to have to read out of their book. And like, like everything has to be right or it won't be right. And so that's but a little nerve wracking. It's not too bad. I mean, no, it's, it's a matter but the of green and the blue arranging the board. You have exactly. green and blue pieces that are the same shapes and they're on the cards on different colors. Like it's, that's, it's yeah. the, that's my one complaint is that it doesn't, it doesn't feel great to set up because it's just like, oh, I got to double check, triple check, got to make sure everything's right. But other than that, like, I don't know. Did it come out last year? I don't know if it'd be our game of the year, but it'd certainly be up there. I think yeah, it came out. I, I think it came out last year, yeah. Or this year, I don't know. 
I'd have to go look. It was right around yeah, it was, end of year, starting year. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good game. Yeah, for sure. Next time we record, Jeff will have played. Cool. He might even own it. <gasps> I'll go for it. What do you play? Are you want me? Well, I've been playing board games, so I was a passenger in an automobile accident two weeks ago, uh, and I have. Oh, I'm broken back. You're my actually bro- listening to my Cody's broken ghost back. right now, not Cody. Uh, yeah, no, I, do, I did suffer a fractured um, uh, bone in my spine. Well, now that you've seen your no. life flash before your eyes, do you want to change your New Year's resolutions? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> it, you should make him play Automania. I just, <laughs> I basically, I just make other people reach for things on the board, and I don't set the games up anymore, and I definitely don't tear them down. Because uh, well, you didn't oh, do that before. How oh, so. am I broken back? How oh, am I broken back? Um, <laughs> So I have, uh, people have been coming over and playing games. It's been nice. Um, and so one of the games that we've been playing is Azul, Stained Glass of Sintra. Uh, uh, so Did this we talk is, about this game before? We, we, we talked, talked about, about Azul. We mentioned it. We talked about okay. its existence, but we haven't actually talked we about it. We were all talking about how we should play it and none of us have played it. Should we play it? Let's ask. Cody, uh, should we play it? I, it depends on how you felt about Azul and what you liked and didn't like. It is shockingly similar to Azul. To the point where it it probably could have been an expansion to Azul, but instead they made an entirely different game with probably fifty percent crossover. Oh, well, now I don't want to play. <laughs> but it's meaner. It okay. is. It is. So the thing I don't like about Azul is I don't like how you you know where everything needs to go. So it's kind of like halfway through, you're just like you need the pieces you need, and you're just waiting for your turn to take those pieces. Oh, but have you taken you played with the gray side though? That that changes have, the game a lot. I have, but that but all that does is let you like screw yourself up. It it does, but there's a few <laughs> times when because you never fill the whole board. Because right. so you, yes. you can you can break pattern. That gives you some flexibility at the beginning. Um, yeah. yeah, Azul's a good game. So it's not my favorite. So game. Azul, uh, in a, a base Azul, you you have this really nice uh, dice selection mechanic where there are these offerings of four tiles, and it, it, there's like seven of them on the board. And on your turn, you take any one colored tile from a group of four, and you dump the rest into the middle of the pile. And that middle of the pile also becomes a selectable place where you can grab resources from. And it's this really great. It's a really great mechanic where you're you're choosing what you take, but you're also choosing what you leave for other people, and you got to make sure not set other people up. And sometimes you just hate draft what you know other people need because uh, you know they need three red tiles, and if you take two right now, there won't be three left for this entire round, and they won't accomplish what they need. So th- that mechanic's really good. Can I change my BGG username to hate draft? Yes, you should. Uh, <laughs> hate draft to the point that my dad, who doesn't play modern games a whole bunch destroyed me in Azul specifically because he was savvy enough to understand what I needed to do and knew exactly how to destroy me in the game. And so it, it's very player interaction. It's really good. Right. Um, so in Stained Glass, you have that same mechanic, but instead of tiles that you're putting on a Portuguese mural, uh, you are getting pieces of stained glass that you're creating your stained glass windows with. Ooh, that um, theme makes me want to play it. And so what what happens here is... When you take the tiles and how you place them, it becomes more complicated. So in Azul, it's a very simple little puzzle of, okay, I need these tiles put here, and they score here, and they score. In stained glass, you have columns of tiles, and you have a little worker that starts on the left column of your seven columns. And when you take tiles, you can put them anywhere below or to the right. So you can be in your current uh, in your current column or to the right of your current column. And when you do that, your worker moves to the column you've placed 
uh, uh, your tiles. If you ever want to place to the left of your guy, instead of taking tiles, you move him back to the left of your board. And it creates this situation where all the high scoring tiles are on the left. And if you ever start moving to the right to take really advantageous tiles, or if you hate draft uh, and have to move to the right, it also makes you inefficient later and you have to take times to go left. What does the column have in it? Five tiles. Every column has five tiles. Every column has five tiles. And some of them are just all one color. Some of them are mixed up. So you're having to fill out these columns. And yeah, it, it's, it's really it's really good. It, the scoring became it, it, it became a lot trickier, and it made you decide whether to diversify or to focus on one particular thing. It, yeah, uh, if if Azul to you was um, good in its player player interaction, but not complicated enough in the tile placement mechanic of it, if it wasn't tricky enough and and it didn't provide enough opportunity to sort of play against other people this game is better hmm. if you like the simplicity of it azul base game is better okay well that's all the spiel cast we have for you today join us next week where we'll talk more about what we've been playing including uve rosenberg's newest game <gasps> he made another another game yes and it's about a northern country where they experience lots of done. eclipses oh yeah that's <laughs> Are you a werewolf?